Welcome to another edition of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Mike Jackman, and I am joined today by Mr. Brett Eagleson, who is the president of 9-11 Justice, which advocates accountability um, with documents and information uh, related to the attacks. Brett, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. How's, uh, how's everything going? Well, um, things are things are always busy. Uh, we've been uh, uh, working a lot lately about ensuring that our federal government complies with the Biden presidential executive order that we had um, enacted in 2021. So, you know, for for 22 years, the 9-11 community has been fighting for answers. Um, we've been fighting for documents. We've been fighting for materials from all of the three-letter agencies who took on these massive investigations of 9-11, all those documents and intelligence files, by and large, were classified as secret or top secret. Um, through our own investigations uh, that we've conducted as part of our lawsuit against the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, we've uncovered that um, a lot of the documents have strong connections back to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And what I mean by that is that um, you know, in 2004, the 9-11 Commission um, uh, investigated Saudi Arabia and they investigated, um, you know, it was a comprehensive investigation, I should say. And the 9-11 Commission listed all the connections between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the hijackers. But their ultimate conclusion was a vaguely worded um, sort of weird kind of craftily worded sentence buried on page you know 500 in the back saying that despite everything that we've uncovered about the saudi role in 9 11 uh the government or senior level officials um uh really had nothing to do with the 9 11 attacks and and the reason that's important to note is because we all have to remember that the 9 11 commission ended in 2004. Um, it wasn't until 2006 that the FBI opened up a secret investigation known as Operation Encore. And we now know all of this because of the, of the presidential uh, executive order that President Biden passed in 2021. We had suspicion. Um, we had former FBI officials come forward and talk to us. We, we knew that there was um, a secret FBI investigation ongoing. But we never had the conclusive evidence. We never had the documents until we had that presidential executive order. So you, you'll see a lot of the commissioners that, that were on the 9-11 Commission saying, wait a minute, we, we were underfunded, we were rushed, uh, we were roadblocked. The 9-11 Commission was never supposed to be an exoneration of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So, um, you know, for the past 20 years since the 9-11 commission the kingdom of saudi arabia has always relied upon the findings of that 9-11 commission they said look you know the the u.s government did an entire investigation and they 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 referred to that that craftily worded vague sentence on page 500 of the commission saying that saying that you know the kingdom of saudi arabia didn't have anything to do with the attacks so it's been our it's been our battle to change that narrative. We, we, we've, it's been our goal to educate the American people about what we know happened after the conclusion of the 9-11 Commission, about what led to Operation Encore. Um, and and that's kind of the basis of, of our lawsuit is we're saying that there's so much more um, to the fact that 
that 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi Arabians, that Osama bin Laden was a Saudi national. That is just the tip of the iceberg. And we've uncovered so much since that. And the executive order that that we had in 2021 by President Biden has allowed us, it, it's given us vindication. But, but lately we've been um, up against a federal government that has stopped complying with the executive order. So we have an FBI, a DOJ, and a CIA who are refusing to give us the really kind of the juiciest type of documents that that provide a smoking gun for what you know the kingdom of saudi arabia knew but also what our own united states government knew prior to 9 11. so um th there's a major push uh on behalf of the intelligence agencies to block us from having that information so so it's been a busy uh it's been a busy past two years well i, I really commend you on your efforts brett to keep fighting and keep going with this i know on top of the personal connection you have to it, you know, and then you have to lose your life, then add on to that. You have to try and fight every step of the way, tooth and nail with the government to even get any information or accountability. And from the beginning, it was the 9-11 families who were the ones asking the tough questions. You know, you, going back to, they were, you know, called the Jersey Girls and, and other family members and a fellow I know, Bob McElvain, who lost his son, Bobby. And um, they went to all... It, if it weren't for them, there wouldn't even have been a 9-11 commission, which the Bush administration didn't even want to investigate the attacks. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's quite a thing all these years later that, you know, the families are still trying to get information about, about Look, you know, what happened. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, just, just you saying that, you know... Um, reminds me of the fact that look like i think it's unconscionable that the bush administration didn't didn't want to investigate the attacks they wanted nothing to do with investigating 9-11 this is the worst most consequential devastating attack on american soil in the history of this country and you know the bush administration and even <clears throat> some administrations have just wanted it to go away they, they want all they want us all to believe the narrative that somehow 19 hijackers with no money no knowledge of English, no knowledge of Western culture, no idea how to fly a plane. Somehow we're able to band together and pull off the most devastating attack in this country's history. It's just with no help from anybody that you yeah. know, it was just it's just it's just a whopper of a story. Um, and, and what we found out is that they absolutely had help. And it came through the help of Saudi intelligence agency. It came through the help of the Saudi support network that was provided to them through the Saudi embassies that were here in this country. Um, but, it, you know, our U.S. government has fought tooth and nail to prevent that story from coming out, but it's slowly starting to come out. You know, there's a lot of theories on why it's not coming out, such as, oh, this was a joint um, Saudi intel, U.S. intelligence um, um, effort to try to flip the hijackers. There's all kinds of theories, right? And, you know, the more nefarious theory is that, you know, the United States government and the Saudi government, you know, were sort of waiting for something to happen. And then the more kind of logical mainstream theory is that, well, the United States government and the Saudi government were really trying to infiltrate Al Qaeda. But the big problem with that story is, is that 9-11 ends up happening. Um, the yeah. big problem with that story is, is that the CIA was conducting an illegal operation on American soil and they didn't tell the FBI anything. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, big, big questions um, that that remain un, un, unanswered. And for some reason, our government doesn't want to give us those answers. And I've, I've always thought the financial um, implications and the financing of this network was 
an interesting area that kind of got overlooked. Like I think ultimately the 9-11 commission said, um, you know, that ultimately the source of funding is of little practical significance. This whole operation only cost under half a million dollars, but um, like you're talking about and like, you know, what's coming out in the lawsuit with the, the Saudi connection, there, there were other people who essentially was funneling money um, through some Saudi royals. And it appears like there was even some money coming from uh, the ISI, Pakistani intelligence. And Prince Bandar's wife, um, Prince Bandar's wife has been implicated in this and that she was giving uh, checks to, I believe it's Omar El-Bayoumi and Fahad Al-Thumari, who are the two handlers of the hijackers. So, you know, you have um, you have this Al-Qaeda meeting in Kuala Lumpur. Um, uh, shortly thereafter, there's a phone call, you know, from payphone in Kuala Lumpur to uh, the King Fahad Mosque, which is in Southern California. Uh, we've asked for those call records. They have not provided those call records to us, but, but through leaked information and through FBI officials, we've determined that that call actually happened. We believe that that call was from the Al-Qaeda meeting to the handlers in the United States saying the brothers are coming, they're on their way. Um, shortly after that call happens, uh, Hazmi and Midhar land in LAX airport this is in January of 2000, so this is almost two years before 9-11. And Hazmi and Midhar, who are the two kind of ringleaders of this operation, they are the two hijackers. They by chance meet an individual by the name of Omar El-Bayoumi at a restaurant. Um, uh, Omar El-Bayoumi claims that you know he liked him so much that he took him into his house. He opened up bank accounts for him and he co-signed leases for him after one chance meeting in a restaurant. That's their story. We then find out because of declassified documents that Omar El-Bayoumi was working for the Saudi intelligence agency. So if that's not a smoking gun, I, I don't know how more direct you can get between the connection of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and these hijackers. So you, so you have Omar El-Bayoumi working, working for Saudi intelligence. He by chance meets the two first hijackers to arrive in this country at a restaurant then takes them in, make sure that make sure that they're going to flying lessons, make sure that they have a place to live. He co-signs their leases, he opens up bank accounts, and he tries to teach them English. He's doing all that because of why. And the fact that he is working for Saudi intelligence, like to me, seems like pretty much a conclusive, you know, statement to make that that Omar El Bayoumi was certainly helping these hijackers pull off this terrorist attack. Yeah, and, and he he probably, yeah, exactly. And, and I think the FBI has even come forward and said, oh, there's a 50-50 chance that Biomi knew about this. It's like, well, I think it's, like you just said, it's pretty much conclusive. And then you have, you know, two of the other hijackers, uh, the pilots, Muhammad Atta and Marwan al-Shahi down in Florida, going to that gated community in Sarasota. Do you know if there's any updates on that thread and, and that family that fled to Saudi Arabia like two weeks before the attacks? That is a really interesting question. I wish we knew more about that. But right now in our lawsuit, which is a lawsuit that's pending in the in the federal court in the Southern District of Manhattan, only allows us to kind of poke around and have discovery in the Southern California cell. So, we, so when we oh. filed this lawsuit, um, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia immediately tried to dismiss it. Um, now, keep in mind, we couldn't we couldn't file this lawsuit until we had um, jurisdiction to, to, to sue Saudi Arabia. So as it stands right now, an American citizen can't sue a foreign country. Like, like you and I couldn't, you know, go sue France because, you know, you know, because we think that the people of, you know, France are, 
you know, did something wrong to us. We couldn't sue Italy. We, we couldn't sue any foreign country because we, the United, we don't have jurisdiction in our courts to sue them. Now, the exception is if that country is on the state sponsored of terrorism list, we then could sue those countries if, say, for example, um, you thought that the government of Italy killed your family member or harmed you in some sort of way, um, um, you couldn't sue them uh, because they're not a state sponsor of terror. So we couldn't sue Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is not a state sponsor of terror and there's no intention by our government to put them on that list because they just do too much business with this country. They, they buy hundreds of billions of dollars of weapons, we buy their oil, they buy our treasury securities. So there's no way that our government was gonna put Saudi Arabia on the state sponsor of terrorism list. So we had to go to Congress and, and we created a new law called JASTA, which stands for the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. And what JASTA did is, a, is it created an exception in that rule, it created an exception in the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act to say that if there is um, if there is suspicion or if there's credible evidence, rather, that a foreign sovereign, a foreign entity harmed or killed Americans on American soil, then we could sue them under this new JASTA law. President Obama ended up vetoing that law. Um, everybody knew at the time that the law was about 9-11 in Saudi Arabia. Obama vetoes the law and we overrode Obama's veto 97 senators to one in the Senate and a similar margin in the House. And that is remarkable because President Obama uh, had no other veto overrides in all eight years of his presidency. Wow. So it's sort of a kind of a, a historic moment where the will of the Congress was to say, we want to see this lawsuit proceed. We want to see these families have justice. So we weren't able to um, officially sue Saudi Arabia until early 2017 after we passed our law called JASTA. We filed a lawsuit against Saudi Arabia and immediately the kingdom says this lawsuit should be dismissed. It's, it's, it's garbage. They have nothing. You know, the 9-11 Commission report exonerated us. Those are all the same old excuses we've always heard. But what happened then was that the judge denied their motion to dismiss. Now, a federal judge doesn't, doesn't um, you know, doesn't make that decision based on nothing. Like there has to be credible evidence to the contrary. So, so we have to present to the judge, you know, a reasonable amount of evidence to say, this is a warranted lawsuit. And the judge said, you know what? You guys have laid out uh, enough evidence here. There's enough suspicion here. I'm not dismissing this case. And I'm actually gonna grant you discovery, but that discovery is gonna be limited to Southern California only. So we didn't have the ability or we don't have the ability yet to dig into the cells that were in Sarasota, Florida, and to investigate that whole story about the Prestancia neighborhood. We don't have the ability yet to go to Falls Church, Virginia, or, or to Trenton, New Jersey, or out of New Jersey, rather. We can only focus on Southern California. But let me tell you, there's been enough there in Southern California where, where, where we know that we have a home run of a case. Um, so I think that the kingdom is fearful uh, that if they don't survive their next motion if, if they do get this lawsuit dismissed come october because they're going to refile their motion to try to get it dismissed again they're very fearful that we're going to be able to go to areas like sarasota florida and new jersey and investigate all those cells and then and then really they're going to have a big problem on their hands because there's just too much um for them to be able to to have to cover up yeah that could really blow it wide open and and you know you alluded earlier to saudi arabia's influence um Certainly, there's the big deal that, you know, Jared Kushner made with the kingdom. Uh, I think it was shortly before Trump left office or maybe after. Um, 
and in our entertainment uh, world, you know, they own some entertainment companies and, and whatnot. And of course, another area you've been dealing with was the, the LIV golf company and then the merger with the PGA. It, it seemed like you guys were, you had something going with PGA for a while and, and, and what's kind of the update on that? Well, I mean, the PGA and, and uh, our groups of families, we were naturally aligned. You know, the PGA felt <laughs> like they were under attack by um, the, this foreign entity called Live Golf. Uh, Live Golf had um, just incredible amounts of money that, that outmatched the PGA 100 to 1. Um, uh, and the PGA, you know, uh, was looking to us for help and we were looking to them for help. And, you know, I had sort of reached out to the PGA and said, look, I, I think that we, we have a lot of information that we could share here with you. Um, and the, the PGA, uh, you know, started using our talking points, right? So they were, they had their commissioner, Jay Monahan, go live on television. I think it was the, up in Canada. And he said, um, you know, no one should have to apologize for playing for a golf league. And he invoked 9-11. Um, they, the PGA was, was using our FBI documents um, that took us 22 years to get to justify their, their attack ads on or, you know, their attack campaign on, on the kingdom. Um, so it was just an utter shock to us that, you know, overnight under the cover of darkness, after trashing the kingdom for over a year and a half, after telling all their players that they can, can't go play for live golf and they were banning their own players that they turned around and, 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 and cut a framework agreement. So, so I want to be clear that, that there is no deal yet between live golf and the PGA but Live Golf and the PGA agreed to drop lawsuits against each other in order to pursue a larger merger. That merger now is under investigation by the United States Senate and two separate committees, and it's under investigation by uh, the DOJ, their their uh, antitrust uh, um, uh, wing. Uh, so uh, kudos to the 9-11 community and families because we think we raised the temperature and we refocused the spotlight on that deal back on what the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia did which is why the United States Senate and the DOJ are now investigating and, and, and paying attention to this. So we hope that, um, you know, this, this merger between Live Golf and the PGA actually helps us in our pursuit of justice because folks aren't talking about Live Golf. They're not really talking about, you know, all these cool matches and all these, you know, different, you know, strat, you know, types of style of play and all the players that are playing Live Golf. They're talking about all the atrocities that the kingdom has committed starting with 9-11. And, and our whole point has been, listen, just you need to address, um, you know, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia needs to address the sins of its past. You need to clear up and take accountability and take responsibility for what bad elements in your government did, which led to the success of these hijackers. Right. And that, yeah, that's what some of the accountability will look like. I mean, just to, to acknowledge that, I mean, it, because it has been 20 coming up on 22 years and it seems like. Sometimes, you know, this gets traction around the anniversary, which I think is unfortunate, you know, because everybody says never forget. And then it's, you know, it's one time a year you hear some news stories on it. But um, it's definitely been an, I know it's been an ongoing thing. And I think it hurts, probably hurts, hurts the sport of golf as well. Because like you said, they're not talking about players and, and other things. They're, they're focusing on the controversy surrounding the kingdom. Right, right. I mean, you know. Uh, it's definitely been a very busy year and a half because Live Golf and the, and the subsequent merger 
has provided a lot of media attention to this. And I, I agree with you. It shouldn't like this media attention shouldn't have, shouldn't have had to come because of a sport, right? Like they should have had this level of media attention. Exactly. On Saudi Arabia 9-11 when it was determined, you know, the president Biden was, you know, issuing an executive order and it was determined that Omar El-Bayoumi, who was hosting the hijackers at his house was working for Saudi intelligence. That should have been front page news that should have dominated more than the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Like it should have dominated more than this potential, you know, um, live golf PGA tour merger. But, but for some reason, you know, those stories don't seem to attract the attention. So we had to get creative and we had to intervene and insert ourselves in between the live golf PGA dispute because we're, we're constantly looking for ways to, to refocus the spotlight back on what the kingdom did. And it's our goal to educate America, educate Congress, educate the administration. You know, there are members of the administration that have no idea who, you know, Bayoumi and Thumeri are. They have no idea what the Saudi role was because Bush buried all that evidence 20 years ago and people have retired, they've died, they've moved on. And and, and they just, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to run the clock out on us, yeah. run the clock out on all of this to hope that it's never going to see the light of day. Yeah, exactly. And this really, it's not a partisan thing and it shouldn't be a partisan thing, but it really, to me, does span multiple administrations. I mean, I remember hearing stories that, I don't know if you were part of these meetings, but some of the 9-11 families were meeting with Obama and Obama promised he would take a look at it and he would release files. And then they met with Trump and Trump said the same thing. And and um, of course, Barr, you know, Trump's AG Barr, ended up blocking a lot of stuff too. So th- yeah, this is so something would, that's been going on since the Bush administration. Yeah, absolutely. Bush was across parties. It, it's definitely across parties that the, there, there's enough guilt to go around. There's blood on everyone's hands. Every president has had a role to play in blocking us. It started with Bush when he, you know, um, classified all this, um, uh, all these documents to begin with. Uh, he, he roadblocked the 9-11 commission. He underfunded it and he rushed it and he made sure he handpicked, you know, certain members that were directing that 9-11 commission. Um, President Biden or Obama rather than veto JASTA, um, he promised to release the 28 pages, which he did, but, but three whole pages of those pages are still full of redactions. Um, President Trump, I was one of them that met with President Trump in 2019. He promised to help us less than 24 hours after that meeting. His attorney general invoked what's known as the state secrets principle, uh, a principle and a, an executive privilege that has never been used in civil court before. And it's never been overturned. It's never been it's never been overcome. Um, and then President Biden, you know, he did enact a presidential executive order. But what has he done about that? He, you know, he, he, he has we now have all this information that says, oh, my God, the Saudis, the, 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 you know, the king of Saudi Arabia did it. But but yet he's going over to Saudi Arabia and he's begging for more oil and he's fist bumping MBS and now you know he's working on a peace deal, so I think the jury's still out on him. Um, you know whether or not he chooses to engage with them and chooses to address our issues, but as it stands right now, he hasn't he hasn't done anything in response to the information that's been declassified. Yeah, and and it seems every election cycle too, Brett, you see maybe one, maybe two candidates who are willing to at least speak out about this. Like last time around, I feel, I feel like Tulsi Gabbard said the most. And I think she met with some families in New York. I don't know if that was part of your group. They, there was a press conference and, um, and then this time, uh, you know, it it seems like Vivek Ramaswamy is actually making some, uh, making some rumblings about that. Have, have you guys talked to his campaign or would you be interested in doing a press conference with him or something like that? 
So yeah, so first of all, Tulsi was great. Um, I met with her. Um, she's she's been a good friend and a supporter of ours e even to this day. She she still supports us. She believes in our cause and she believes in our pursuit. Um, so much thanks to her. Um, wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, then Vivek, yeah, you know it was surprising to see. No one that I know of has talked to him, but he nailed the talking points. He he was able to tell you that the 9-11 commission lied. I was very happily, it was happily surprised uh, sort of to see that. He, he knew, he went on Tucker Carlson and really kind of laid out the facts of who Bayumi and Mary were. And he, he knew, he knew the facts of our case, which I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I think that there's going to be more candidates that are going to start talking about this. I just think that Vivek was the first one to jump on it. Um, uh, because honestly, President Trump, former President Trump has no defense on this issue. So I think he's very, very vulnerable here because how can President Trump even defend his actions with joining, you know, joining Live Golf and, um, you know, knowing what he knows? He was the one. His administration was the one that 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 chose to keep these documents secret. In 2016, President Trump, live on national news on Fox and Friends, uh, proclaimed that Saudi Arabia knocked down the towers. Um, I've played this clip. I've shared this clip with the media. I've shared this clip with U.S. Uh, 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 members of Congress. And, and there he is. Trump is saying, you know, he, it was in respect to a question about the Iraq war. And, and, and at the time, Trump was hammering on Bush for, for going into Iraq. And he said that, you know, the Iraq war was the worst foreign policy decision since Vietnam. He said the Iraq war was a disaster. He goes, and Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. He said, you want to know who did 9-11? You ought to open up the files. You should, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you ought to get Bush or somebody to open up the files, and the files will tell you that it was Saudi. Saudi Arabia knocked down those towers. So Trump said that in 2016. He, he was right. Um, I don't know how he knew that, but he did, and he accurately <laughs> proclaimed it. Right? Yeah. And so then when we got invited to the White House three years later in 2019 on 9-11, we were, we were sort of optimistic that he absolutely was going to help us because we already knew that he went and live on TV and said that Saudi Arabia did it. Um, so to have that meeting and to have him look us in the face and uh, shake our hands and, and, and tell us he was going to help us, we, we were all elated leaving that meeting and we had very high expectations. Less than 24 hours later, Bill Barr, uh, you know, invoked the state secrets principle. So we don't know if Bill Barr got to him. You know, Bill Barr, everyone says that he's like the swamp thing, like he is the creature of the deep state, right? <laughs> like that. Well, he, he definitely is. I mean, he covered up the Epstein case. He, you know, he made yeah. sure the CIA stuff on JFK remained classified. So he goes back to uh, Poppy Bush, Bush Sr. Yeah. Uh, so it was so in the CIA. Yeah. He was probably very well informed. And we don't know if that he just convinced. President Trump not to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, the buck stops at, at the president and Trump had the ability to override Barr and he chose not to. Um, so we didn't get our documents and we suffered a devastating blow. It set us back three years because it wasn't until, you know, now that, that we're finally seeing some of this information that's coming to light that these that this state secrets principle sort of protected. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's just it's just unfortunate that our government has fought us to this level, like to use a state secrets principle against the nine against your own. You know, you know, we, we are we are some of the country's most, you know, grieved victims here um, uh, to invoke the state secrets principle against us. It's just it's it's just, you know, it, it, it's it's unthinkable. It is. It's awful. And, and that's why I have always tried to use this podcast when any, any news comes out to 
discuss this and, and interview people who are involved and promote the good information and the good work that's out there. Um, organizations like 911justice.org here. I just want to show a little bit of this website and encourage people to visit. And, and you are the president of 911 Justice, correct, Brett? Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. So yeah, they've got they have all the documents here and information, and they have um, you know videos you can watch and uh, press releases and media hits. I mean, it's a great resource for people who are not as familiar or don't know what's actually still going on to this day, you know, because I, I, I don't, th you know, I agree. 9-11 is not a closed case yet. And um, we need to keep talking about it and getting this information out there. So yeah, uh, beyond that, Brett, I know you're kind of pressed for time today. Do you have anything else to add or anything you want to make our audience aware of? I just want to say thanks for following this. Thanks for being so knowledgeable on it. You know, um, it sounds like you've done your homework and you've done your research. So I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for having me and continue to follow us. And uh, we would definitely happily come back on to share any updates should we get those in the near future. Absolutely. You have an open invite to come on here anytime, Brett. And I will, uh, you know, up in New Hampshire, we like to try and uh, dog presidential candidates about this. So I'm going to try and uh, stay on them. I, we will. Yeah. I got to see yeah. the clip, the clip, clip I did where I asked Jeb Bush about the flight school records in Florida. That was a doozy. Well, I mean, um, New Hampshire, you guys, are, it's such a unique opportunity because you're such an important state. Right. And it's like everyone comes to you. So you guys got to you guys got to stay on these guys and hold them accountable and make sure you ask them the tough questions and and see, see if they would commit, you know, to to helping us if they were the ones that ha that happened to get elected. And, Ultimately, man, the truth is popular and the truth will come out. So they should they should get on the train, get on the get on the truth train now, you know, Absolutely. not, not, not Absolutely. to make yourselves look good, but because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to so. do. And if someone campaigning for the highest office, you should be you should be do you should be wanting to do the right thing here. So there's nothing more American than than standing for truth and standing for the 9-11 families and helping the 9-11 families have that closure. Amen. Well, thank you again, Brett. And I really appreciate it. And. Everybody check out his great work at 911justice.org and we will see you next time.